I can tell stories about everything. You have become a master of lying and conniving. Gonads are useful for their purpose, but they are no substitute for brains. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today I'm going to give you some more life advice. I know nothing better than some guy giving you unsolicited life advice, right? Well, you should know me by now. You should expect nothing less than unsolicited life advice from me. And that's what I have in store for you today. I've done this before. I've passed along the knowledge that I've acquired over the years that I've been around. And some of it is really good, and some of it is just, like, kind of hokey, and some of it is stuff that I've heard on the street, so to speak. Some of it is stuff that I've learned from experience. Actually, this week's episode is inspired by a phrase that I keep seeing over and over. I've seen it more recently, and it's actually life advice that's very important and very, very true. I keep seeing the phrase, when people show you who they are, believe them. I see that in the context of people in general. I see it in the context of politicians. I see it in the context of voting for the next election. And what that really means is, if you see somebody act a certain way, no matter what they tell you, no matter what they've told you in the past, when you see somebody act in a certain way, believe that that's the way they're always going to act. I guess one of the best examples of this is when you're out to eat and the waiter or waitress comes up to the table and someone you're with treats them poorly. That's an example of the kind of person they are. I mean, they may put on a front for you, but when they talk down to the waitstaff, when they treat them shoddily, or if you're at the supermarket and you're at the deli counter and someone treats the butcher behind the counter shoddily, or you're checking out and someone gives the cashier crap, assuming, of course, you still have a cashier at your supermarket, that may become a thing of the past with self-service everywhere, but assume there's still a cashier there. If someone you're with treats that person like crap, believe them. Believe that's the way they are. Don't believe their explanation. Don't try to recreate things. Don't try to paint them with a rose-colored brush. You know, rose-colored glasses. Looking at the world through rose-colored glasses. You can paint someone with a rose-colored brush. I'm declaring that as a thing now. What I'm trying to say is, don't try to excuse somebody. Don't try to explain away the way somebody treats a person. Use that as an example of the kind of person they are. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. This is especially true in a dating situation. If you're out on a date and the person is coming across as, oh, so warm and fuzzy, but then you go to the restaurant and order your food and that person treats the waitstaff as underlings or servants or worse, that's a big red flag and you should listen to it and abide by it. So anyway, that when people show you who they are, believe them phrase, that's the inspiration for today's episode. And there's lots of little things like that that I've picked up over the years. And I know I talked about some of these things in the past. We already did a couple of life advice episodes. But as I go through my days and I remember things and I jot them down and I go, yeah, yeah, that's something I should remember. I should probably put a book together. Gamer Dude's Life Advice. But you're getting it here first. And believe me, none of this is rocket science. There's not a lot of psychological analysis here. This is just common sense stuff that I've seen, that I've experienced that I've come to know either about myself or that I've come to learn that I should explain to other people, or in certain cases, I wish I could explain to other people, that if you adopt these strategies, if you adopt this advice, if you include it in your life, I think you'll have a better life. Like this, this is not a huge one. This is not earth shattering. This is not a giant revelation. 
But you have to remember, the world does not revolve around you. It's not all about you. You are not the center of the universe. We all look at the world through our own perspective. We're the hero of our own movie. And I get that mentality to a point. But when I face a tough decision in my life, whatever it is, I have to keep in mind that this is not going to affect anybody else but me. Maybe my immediate family, a little bit. But the people down the street, they don't care what I decide. When I was at work, the people that I used to work with, they didn't care if I had a major life decision that I had to make. It didn't matter to them. They weren't sitting on the edge of their seats waiting to see what gamer dude was going to decide. Going back to that restaurant, the waiter comes up to the table. The waiter doesn't care whether I have the beef or the chicken. It's not a decision that the waiter cares about. And the waiter doesn't care what we're talking about at the dinner table. If Mrs. Gamer Dude and I are talking about something very, very important, whether it's where we're going to retire, or whether to get a new car, or where the kids are going to wind up, they don't care. Because the world doesn't revolve around us. And the more you realize that, the quicker you realize that, the easier your life will be. And the easier it'll be to make certain decisions. They're strictly personal. That kind of leads me to the next bit of advice. It's a couple of interrelated ideas. And the ideas both revolve around your ability to control your own reactions to things. That's really the point. You can't control outside events. You can't control what happens to you. Not all the time, anyway. And you can't control other people's actions. You can't control, for instance, if your company decides to downsize. That's out of your control. You work for a company and they decide to lay people off. You can't control that. You play poker with the same group of guys every week. One guy hates your guts because of the way you play cards. You can't control that. What you can control is how you react to those situations. You are in complete control over your reactions. You can control how you respond to a layoff. You can decide whether you want to have the victim mentality. Oh, woe is me. They laid me off. My life will never be the same. Or you can control your reaction as one of opportunity. All right, well, now's my chance to go do whatever. Apply for the new job in Connecticut, try a new line of work, become a freelancer, become a consultant. How you react to the situation is completely within your control. You don't have to become a victim unless you choose to be. Same thing with a guy who hates your guts for playing poker badly or too well. I guess it depends on how good a card player you are. You can't control his reaction to you. You can control your reaction to him. And you can choose to let it bother you. And you can choose not to let it bother you. You can control what you say and do in response to what they say and do. You can be a jerk about things. You can be nice about things. You can ignore things. Not everything needs a reaction. And you know what? If it becomes a situation that's untenable, and we're just going to stay with a card playing hypothetical, if it becomes something that makes you uncomfortable, then you don't play cards with them anymore. Or you start a new card night, and you just invite people who you get along with. You don't have to put yourself in a situation where you have to interact with somebody who doesn't like you or who you think doesn't like you. And this goes again to the victim mentality. You don't have to put yourself in a situation where you're the quote unquote victim of this guy treating you badly at the card table. Just don't put yourself in the situation anymore. It applies to business relationships. It applies to social relationships. It applies to romantic relationships. If you are in a situation where you don't like the way you're being treated, you have the power to make a change. It's not always easy, I know, but it's within your power to make those changes. Sometimes you have to find the strength to do it, 
but it's something that you can change. And that kind of leads me to the next one, which is based on a quote from David Foster Wallace. He said, you'd worry less about what people think of you if you knew how seldom they do. And this kind of goes back to what I said at the beginning, that the world doesn't revolve around you. So many people think that other people are thinking about them, are worried about them, are worried about the choices they make, the things they do, the places they go. It's not like that. People have their own lives to live. People have their own issues. People have their own decisions that they have to make. They don't spend a lot of time thinking about you. That guy at the card table who you think hates you, who you think is treating you badly, the card game may be his relief from a hard day at work, a hard week at work, a bad relationship at home, his parents being sick. Maybe he just has a mood or an attitude that has nothing to do with you. You might think that they're directing hatred or animosity at you when they are just carrying some baggage that you don't know anything about. You may be reacting to something that has nothing to do with you. Mean guy at the card table probably doesn't think about you at all. Mean guy at the card table may just have resting mean guy face. You can't assume that what they're doing is based on what they think about you. Because trust me, people don't think about you that much. Maybe your spouse and your kids do. But beyond that, probably not much. That kind of leads into the next thing, too. We have friends, we have work friends, we have gym friends, we have neighborhood friends. And that's just as an adult. We had high school friends and we had college friends too. But think a minute. Think for a minute. How many of your grade school friends, how many of your high school friends are still in your life on an everyday basis? Not very many, I'm guessing. That's for a number of reasons. We all change as we grow. We change where we hang out. We change where we work. We change where we go to school. We change the fact that we're in school. There's a huge chance that the people in your life right now that you call your closest friends, they won't be in your life forever or even for very long because our friends and our acquaintances change as we change and as our life circumstances change. Before I retired, I had what I considered a good group of friends, a good group of work friends. They were people that I saw every day. They were people that I interacted with every day. We had inside jokes that we developed over the years. We always had a laugh. We always had a good time. We always chit-chatted about whatever. But since I've retired, and it's been less than two years, since I've retired, I haven't seen a single one of them. I've talked to maybe two. And that's after 20 years of building relationships. Now, is that partly my fault? Yeah, of course it is. It's partly because, you know, I haven't reached out. I've been busy doing my things, and they haven't reached out, and I know they've been busy doing their things. But that's just the way it works. When you're a human being, you have things in your life that you focus on. You have your life that you're living, whether you're golfing or hunting or gaming or whatever you do in your spare time. Whether you're working, whether you've got two jobs going, or whether you're just catching up on sleep, you're doing your thing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that's the way it is. We have friends, we have acquaintances, we have people whose company we enjoy. And then things change and they're no longer in your life. And it's not because you don't want them there. It's not because they don't want to be there. It's just circumstances change. What we have time for, what we can spend time on, who we can spend time with, it's all dependent on so many things. And change one thing... And your whole social dynamic also changes. This happened to me several times in my life. When I moved from Ohio to New Jersey, I had a whole bunch of friends in Ohio that I basically never really saw again. 
I reached out on occasion. They reached out on occasion for a couple of years. I sent a Christmas card. They sent a Christmas card for a couple of years. And that was it. Same when I moved from one town to another. Very good friends with my neighbors. We were hanging out. We were playing basketball. We were doing barbecues. We did all kinds of things together. And then we didn't because situations changed. Life changes. The people in your life change too. It's natural. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm just telling you, expect it because it's going to happen. That also kind of leads into the next thing, your relationship with your job. Now, this is more of a my generation thing than millennials, Generation Z. They have less of a feeling of loyalty to their companies than the older generations do. There was always that sense of loyalty. Oh, I owe my boss this. I owe my boss that. And kind of the expectation that the boss owes you something in return. But what I have discovered over the years, companies don't think that way anymore. They used to. Some of them did. Some of them used to think that there was a loyalty thing. They owed you something, you owed them something. There was a symbiotic relationship there. That doesn't exist anymore. That doesn't exist anymore, even in the companies that used to be that way. The companies don't have loyalty to the employees anymore. They don't treat them with fairness and respect anymore. By and large, your job sees you as a replaceable commodity. You're barely more than a cog in the wheel. You may be a very important cog, but trust me when I tell you, when that cog breaks, when you decide to retire, or if you do something icky and get yourself fired, they'll find a replacement for you. And they won't miss a beat. They won't blink an eye. I think I've told this story before, but it's worth telling again. An old supervisor of mine years and years ago, long before the law, back when I was working retail, he told me, go get yourself a bucket of water. Put your finger in it. Pull your finger out. Look at the water. See how much of an impression you made in that bucket of water? That's the kind of impression you make at every place you work. They won't notice when you're not there. When you're gone, you're gone. And by and large, I've seen that to be true. In most jobs that I've ever had, once I left, they didn't care. They didn't beg me to stay. When you tell them it's time for me to go, they go, all right, here's your hat. What's your hurry? I mean, there are some people who may miss you on a personal level, but as far as a business level, and this is every job that I've ever had, once you go, you're gone. So my point in telling you that is this. Yes, do your job. Do your job to the best of your ability. Give 100% to your job up until the end of the workday. That's the end of your obligation to your employer. All of these situations where you have to be available 24-7. I emailed you at 10 o'clock. Why didn't I get a response till the morning? Well, because I was off the clock. I expect an immediate response. Yeah, well, life is full of disappointments. I mean, that's the attitude that I developed. Because I got no benefit from answering emails at 10 p.m. I mean, if I happen to be working late because I wanted to work late, okay, that was fine. But you shouldn't expect me to be there because you're not paying me to be there. My time is my own once I'm off the clock. My time is for me. My time is for my family. My job is important because it allows me to pay my bills. I felt like I was doing good work when I was working my job. But at the end of the day, it was the end of the day. Your job is just a means for you to sustain yourself so that you can live your life. If you want to go hunting or fishing or swimming, if you want to travel or work on your collectible cars or whatever it is you want to do, that's what you should be doing. You want to work on your music, your art, your sculpture? That's what your life is supposed to be about. You want to spend time with your kids, your family? You want to coach basketball? Want to coach baseball? Want to play in rec leagues? That's your life. That's what you should be focusing on. Your job is a means to an end. And any other view, especially in these days of end-stage capitalism, any other view is misguided.
And as long as we're talking about work and success and doing the right thing for your employer versus doing the right thing for yourself, this kind of flows from that. You can work hard every single day of your life. You can give all of your all to your employer. You can do all of the right things in your job. And that doesn't guarantee success. It doesn't guarantee promotion. And it doesn't guarantee that they're going to treat you right. No matter how hard you work, I promise you there are going to be times where you're going to be underappreciated and overlooked. I promise you there's going to be a time where you should be up for the promotion and the boss's nephew gets it. I promise you there'll be a time where you put in 60-hour weeks, you worked really hard to get that project done on time and out the door, and nobody's going to notice or care. That's just the nature of the business. That's just the nature of work. That's just the nature of people. I know it sucks, but that's the way it is. I've got some life advice about money as well. Learning how to manage money, learning how to save, learning how credit works. That's all super important stuff, and you should really pay attention to it. If you don't know, and if you don't have somebody that you can go to for advice, there are actually tutorials on how to plan and secure your financial future. And believe me, when you're in your 20s, when you're in your 30s, even when you're in your 40s, hell, even in your 50s, you don't always think about what's going to happen down the road. You don't always think about, well, I'm going to need this money. You don't always think about, well, I want to retire. Oh, you got a great rate on a credit card? Sure, I'll take it. No annual fee? Excellent. $10,000 credit line? Sweet. Yeah, don't get caught up in that trap. Do not get caught up in that trap. Yeah, it's nice to be able to go out and buy a washer and dryer if you need one. Yeah, it's nice to go get a new car if you need one. But you got to be aware of how much it's going to cost you. You've got to be aware of your monthly payments. You've got to be aware of what your bills are. You've got to be aware of what your food bill is, what your utility bill is, what your insurance payments are, what your health care payments are. But that goes for all of your bills. You've got to meet those expenses. You've got to pay those bills. Yeah, of course you want to go on a trip. Yeah, you want to go to Disney World. Yeah, you want to go hang out at the beach for a week. Who doesn't? But sometimes it's not affordable. Sometimes you don't have the money for it. But you got to pay your bills. You have to. You don't want to go into bankruptcy. You don't want to have $50,000 in credit card debt that's going to take you the rest of your life to pay off. So you want to learn how to budget yourself. You want to learn what to do with your money, how to save it, how to open an IRA for the future. Where can I gain interest on my income? Where can I invest my money? If you have a 401k at your job, take advantage of it. If you have an employer who matches your contributions, take full advantage of that. If you don't, you're leaving money on the table. Who wouldn't take free money if you could get it? I was so fortunate that my employer matched my contributions up to 8%. That doesn't sound like a lot, but if you've worked for a company for many years, that adds up. And it was like a little raise. It was a little bonus money that I got every month. I didn't see it then. I'll see it in the future. I'll have it down the road, and I know when I'm going to use it. And that's a good thing. I know it's there. But that's what I mean about learning how to manage your money. And I know it's not easy. I spent many, many, many years living paycheck to paycheck. There were many months I didn't have enough to meet the bills for a variety of reasons. I've had my electricity shut off. I've had to go to the utilities office with cash to get them to come out and turn the electricity back on. I know what it's like. It's not fun and it's not easy to do. But that's why I'm telling you it's important for you to do. To learn how to manage your money. To avoid excess credit card debt. To make sure that your future is as protected as you can make it. 
You don't want to be 75 years old and unable to retire because you have no savings. At some point, you're going to want to stop working. So you've got to plan for that from an early age. All right, I got one more for you. It's actually from a Benjamin Franklin quote. Ben Franklin had a lot of great advice, but this is probably one of the most important pieces of advice I can give you because too many people don't understand this. They don't get this. Benjamin Franklin said, never ruin an apology with an excuse. Nothing ruins the words, I'm sorry, more than following up those two words with the single word, but, and however counts as but. If you say, I'm sorry, but, then you're not really apologizing. If you say, I'm sorry, however, you're not really apologizing. There's nothing wrong with apologizing when you're wrong. In fact, if you've done something wrong, if you've done something for which you need to apologize, you should. If you've done something to hurt someone, if your actions have harmed someone in some way, whether those actions are physical or merely verbal, if you've said something that hurts somebody's feelings, you should apologize, and you should do it without reservation. I'm sorry if I was insensitive. I didn't realize I was being insensitive. But the best apology of all is, I'm sorry I was wrong, and I won't do it again. That's the best kind of apology there is. I'm sorry I was wrong, and I won't do it again. I mean, it's kind of an excuse to say, I didn't realize what I said was insensitive, but it's an admission of a shortcoming on your part. You were too dopey to realize that you were being an insensitive jerk. You don't have to say it that way. You can say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be insensitive. But once you start saying, I'm sorry, but I thought I was right, that's not an apology. I'm sorry, but you made me do it. That's not an apology. I'm sorry, but you made me so mad. That's not an apology. An apology is, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Without reservation, without condition, that's how you apologize. And learning to apologize when you're wrong is one of the hardest things to do, but one of the most important skills you can develop. And I heartily recommend that you do. As usual, I've just barely scratched the surface of the list that I made. I've got four pages of notes here. We did about a page of them. I've accumulated a lot of life advice over the years. What can I say? So we'll come back and revisit this topic again down the road. But for now, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for being a part of things. As always, I appreciate your support, and I can't thank you enough for listening. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.